live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City. This is the Jeff Wagner Show. Here is the deal. Let me kind of go through what we know, and then I want to discuss this with you. It's just mind-boggling, and it might not technically be illegal, but if it's not, it should be. The reality is no car insurance, no problem. Nuts to that. Let's get them off the road. Impound the cars. Make the streets safer. The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give us a call at 855-616-1620. What are those people talking about? You got a deal. A deal is a deal. Stop whining about it. Live up to its obligations. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome to the show. We do not go quietly into the good weekend. Supposed to play golf this afternoon. Doesn't sound like that's going to happen too much. No, it's the... (laughs) You do not want to be out on a golf course at five o'clock when big storms move through. But I, you know, you you just you just never know. Hopefully, it will not be as bad as they are predicting. All right, if you follow me on Twitter, it's at Jeff Wagner six twenty. I sent this out earlier this week. Earlier this week, you you had the the incident. I'm, I don't know the I don't know if it's fair to say a riot in Milwaukee, but you had the the examples of vigilanteism and lawlessness. And so what happens is you have a, a bunch of people fired up based on Facebook who decide that there's there's evidence of prostitution and and sex trafficking going on at this in this house on 40th and Lloyd. All right. Now, the police had been called to the house on multiple occasions. They go out there They're They they're not finding there's two missing girls who have subsequently showed up, but they're they're not finding the girls. They've done this investigation, but a mob. And that's what it was. This mob is forming. They're upset with the police response time. They're upset with the investigation. Now, the, the, the girls weren't at the place, and I don't think had ever been at the place, but the mob is now focused. They're at the place. So the police show up, and they start to do an investigation, and they bring investigators in. Then what happens is the mob forms outside the house, and they start throwing bricks and stuff at the police who are lined up trying to protect the investigators who are inside because the mob is convinced that there's all this evidence there. So, okay, so the police investigators finish their, their job. They leave. The police leave because they don't need to be there to protect the, the investigators anymore. And then the mob turns even uglier. What happens is they, they essentially storm the house, deciding that they're going to look for evidence themselves. And what happens is then they start setting things on fire because... Well, that's what mobs do. So then you've got the fires that are going on. So then the police and the firefighters have to come back. The firefighters have to come back to put out the fire that the mob has started. And the police have to come back to protect the the, the firefighters who are trying to stop the fire. But the mob led by, I mean, I mean, some people who are fueled by Facebook and some people who show up at all these different protests, the mob, they're just outraged. You know, we're not getting enough police response. This is a house where there's all this trafficking of sex trafficking going on. Here's what we're going to do. So the firefighters, they're trying to put out the flames. The mob is attacking the firefighters. The police have to stop that. Meanwhile, what happens is shots ring out in the crowd, and a couple kids get shot in the crowd. So then the police have to go into the crowd to try to, I don't know, render aid to some kids that were in the crowd as part of the mob. And then the mob turns on the police even more. 
So you want to be a police officer in, in this this whole background. Ultimately, you know, the house pretty much burns down and, you know, you, you've got cars that are burned down and you've got police that have stuff thrown at them and all. All right. So so now as it turns out, number one, the, the missing girls were not there and I don't think had ever been there. They, they, they turn up safe some somewhere else. The the house, there's an upstairs and a downstairs. The house has apparently nothing at all to do with with drug trafficking. And the people that live upstairs, okay, there's this thirty one year old woman. She she's she was apparently in the hospital having a baby while the mob was burning down the house that she she lived in. She says, Look, I said I you said we had nothing to do with this. You know, there there was nothing going on. The people that lived downstairs, we never saw any evidence of sex trafficking or anything like that. And we certainly weren't as part of that. But but the mob has burned down that this this house. And essentially the, these people have lost everything because the the mob, again fueled by stupidity and fueled by stuff on Facebook and this desire to I guess reach out and hurt people and and destroy stuff, they decided to target this place. By the time the chaos ended, three people had been shot, including two 14-year-olds. Ten officers and a firefighter were injured. And then, of course, then you've got some of the loons in the crowd that are unhappy because at one point in time, the police used tear gas to disperse the arsonists and the rest of the crowd. I I just, you know, and and of course, now the woman who lives in this upstairs unit says, everything we have, it's it's burned down. It's gone. Clothes, everything. The only thing that's lucky is they weren't in the house at the time the mob decided to to set fire to the home. So thankfully, there was no, you know, loss of life that was there. But at the bottom line of all this is you have these vigilantes. And I I sent out a tweet. Again, you can follow me at Jeff Wagner 620 with a link to this story. I, I have a note to the defund the police crowd that's out there, and you know who you are. Imagine what a world without cops would look like. And and you don't have to go too far. All you have to do is look at what happened the other day in the city of Milwaukee. Because let's imagine there, there are not cops around. All right? Imagine what goes on. You have the mob fueled by anger, stupidity, rumor, suspicion, whatever, who decides that they're going to take matters into their own hands. They're going to go out on this house. They're going to conduct the investigation. And because they're outraged, they're going to burn down the home. Okay, they they, they were able to succeed even with police doing the best they could to stop it. Can you imagine if there was not a police presence? Can you imagine if there weren't firefighters that were willing to come out and put out the blaze? And and by the way, if there's not police to protect the firefighters from the mob, well, the firefighters aren't going to be going into these areas. If this is the case, this is, I'm telling you, this is the ghost of Christmas future right there. You saw it earlier this week. So for everybody, including people on the Common Council who are thinking, yeah, let's cut the police budget by 10%, 20%, 50%. Okay, what are you going to do when there's not enough cops to go out and protect your stuff, your property, your lives, the lives of your constituents from the the mob? Because the mob is out there. And you saw that mob activity earlier this week. The House had nothing to do 
apparently with sex trafficking. No evidence of that. And there's a family living upstairs that would have been dead if it were not simply for the happenstance that they weren't there at the time. When we come back, you know if you're a kook, if. We'll discuss. Stick around. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Here's a text. Jeff, impulsive morons burn down a house because they think the police won't take action against those living there. And then when it turns out to be a mistaken assumption, they blame the police for letting the house burn amidst erratic gunshots by the angry mob. Ludicrous, impossible, no-win scenario for the police these days. That, that's right. I did see support on, on one of these so-called community activists who's complaining, well, the, the police didn't do enough to stop the house from burning down. <laughs> the, the crowd, the mob, is throwing bricks at the police. They're attacking the firefighters. They're shooting each other. And the complaint is, oh, the police didn't stop didn't do enough to stop us from burning down the house. It's just we we have gone through the looking glass. Okay, you know who the the comedian Jeff Foxworthy is. He's um he's he's the guy that does the you might be a redneck things like you might be a redneck if you've ever taken a beer to a job interview. That that's that's kind of his shtick. And so it's you know okay I, I I've always found him to, you know I, I I've always I've I've liked Jeff Foxworthy. Well I don't have the you might you know you know how to know if you're a redneck thing, but I do know how to know if you are a kook. And I think it's finally time, as we start to go further and further through the looking glass, it's time for people of goodwill to start just simply saying, you know what, that's a kooky idea. Instead of, oh, well, that's interesting. Maybe we should consider doing this. It's just time to say, this is a kooky idea. You're, you're nuts if you think we should do something like this. And, and maybe if more and more people just instead, instead of saying, well, okay, let's give this some consideration. Maybe we should start a committee and maybe we should do this. Why don't we just start standing up and saying that that's a nutty idea. And if you think it's a good idea, you're a kook. All right. Now, th- there's a couple examples of this. The, the low hanging, the lowest hanging kook fruit that, that's out there now is this story out of Wauwatosa. Now, I hate to even give it. Too much attention, be but the the Journal Sentinel decided to to write this big story about it, and um, th- there's apparently a petition that that's going around in Wauwatosa to rename four of their elementary schools. Now, the reason I hate to hate to give this any any attention is because that the petition last time I heard had like sixty signatures, so you've got sixty nutcases that have decided to sign this petition. And I'm sorry if 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 you're one of the kooks that thinks this is a good idea and you're offended. I, I'm sorry, but you know, it, it is what it is. The the, the elementary schools in, in Wauwatosa, um, Jefferson, Washington, Wilson, and Madison. Now, what do they have in common? They are named after presidents of the United States: Thomas Jefferson, George Washington, Woodrow Wilson, and James Madison. The Petition being circulated by some of the nut jobs in Wauwatosa says that these schools should be renamed because they're named after slave owners and segregationists. This strikes us as a clear, easy decision, the petition says. 
It may be largely symbolic compared to the other looming tasks of the school district, but symbols matter. The petition asks that the names of the schools be renamed by an advisory committee composed of students and parents, school names after schools named after slave owners, segregationists, and white men with sordid racial legacies are among the symbols that are being contested. And one of the protest organizers says, the petition says it's a community action. People have been talking about this for quite a while, and now it's becoming an even more important national conversation. Clearly, this is something that people in the community are invested in. To which my comment would be, if, if this is your issue in Wauwatosa, saying that we're naming schools after presidents of the United States, George Washington, the founder of our country, and now we can't have that because, well, I, I don't know, it, it's just, it's old white men. <sighs> You know, what can you say? Uh, one of the organizers says, if not now, when? Well, my answer would be never. There will also be budgetary strains in education. Will the board just wait until some pocket money magically appears to make this change? I, I, I mean, okay, Here, here's the bottom line. And I'm not even going to open up the phone lines to discuss this, because if you think this is a good idea, you're you're just in your own kind of world, because we, we are not honoring segregationists we are not honoring racists we are honoring the founding fathers sorry and and maybe they have they are not perfect people but you know what if you're offended that you go to a school that's named after george washington i can't help you i i just i i cannot you you know i don't know what you need but you've got to get over it and i understand some people might say oh don't tell people to get over it okay it's it's Madison, it's Jefferson, it's George Washington, it's Wilson. So that's one of the tests. If you if you think that these schools need to be renamed, I'm sorry, you you're it's a kooky idea. But that's not the one that I want to talk about. The People's Republic of Madison. Now we we saw earlier this week during the riots that there was an effort to pull down, they did, they, they pulled down the forward statute, they pulled down the statue of the Civil War hero who was the abolitionist. Well, out in Madison, there's now a, a new move afoot, and, and I swear I am not making this up. Um, if, if you've been out to Madison, you, you know that at one point in time, right on, on Bascom Hill, there is a huge statue. The statue has been there for more than 100 years. And, you know, it's one of the places that people go uh, to, to snap your graduate photo. You know, at graduation, you go and you take a picture of you standing with your family in front of this particular statue. What is the statue of? It's Abraham Lincoln. Okay, there's a huge statue of, of Abraham Lincoln Seated. It, it's it's not Abraham Lincoln and and a kneeling you know black man. It, it's it's not it's Abraham Lincoln seated. Okay, Abraham Lincoln, the person who signed the Emancipation Proclamation. Abraham Lincoln, the the president who got into you know fought the Civil War in large measure to do away with slavery. So why would we want to take down the statue of Abraham Lincoln? Well, the president of something called the Wisconsin Black Student Union says we, we've got to take this down um, because Lincoln 
was very publicly anti-black. I am quoting now. Just because he was anti-slavery doesn't mean he was pro-black. He said a lot in his presidential campaigns. His fourth presidential campaign speech, he said he believes there should be an inferior and a superior, and he believes white people should be the superior race. So that's, you know, so we're going through Lincoln's history, and I, I think there might be some element to that. But now... Now the idea is we have to get rid of this, um, and if the university deeply believes in justice and equity, what happens is they've got to get rid of the Lincoln statue. Um, the president, the chancellor of the university, says, like all of these presidents, Lincoln's legacy is complex and contains actions which, 150 years later, appear flawed. Nevertheless, the chancellor says, you know, we think Lincoln's okay and we're not planning to take down the statue. 855-616-1620, that is the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line. I am willing to debate this point. But, you know, earlier on this week, we were talking about, you know, what are we going to do with Mount Rushmore? Because now you have people going after Jefferson, Washington, and uh, Teddy Roosevelt. Three of the four faces on Mount Rushmore now now out in Madison, at least some people want to take down the Lincoln statue. Do we need to do away with Lincoln in public places? Must the statue come down? Or if you think that's a good idea, are you a kook? 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We discuss. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 855-616-1620. Mark in Kenosha. Hi, Mark. Hey, thanks for having me, Jeff. Sure. You know, I'm a little bit on the fence about uh, about the Lincoln statue. Um, okay, but, I'm going to make sure. Know, I, I just want to make sure I understand. Let me, you're on the fence as to whether they should take down the Lincoln statue in Madison. You're on the fence on this one. Yes, sir. Yeah. Okay. Because a statue, a statue is there to memorialize and glorify something. And I keep hearing this argument that somehow taking down a statue is equating to abolishing or trying to erase history. Well, last time I checked, uh, we have this wonderful thing called the Internet, and we have this wonderful thing called a classroom where you can learn about all the different things throughout history. And let me tell you, we know the Holocaust happened, but we didn't need a statue of Hitler to prove it. And so my point being is taking down a statue, it does not erase history, and it does not gloss over history or cause you to not be able to learn it. All it does is means that we're not going to glorify or, or put on a pedestal these people from the past that have no business having statues of them. Okay, so, no, so your point is okay, well, people that have statues. Then, then Abraham Lincoln, you, you don't think that Abraham Lincoln is worthy of having statues in his, in his honor? Or you're on the fence is, about that? He has that. done a lot of good things, but he's also done a lot of bad things. And I mean, uh, Harvey Weinstein, 10 years ago, uh, you would have never oh, thought that. Uh, you're, you're, no, Mark. Mark, you're going to compare. You're going to compare Harvey Weinstein to Abraham Lincoln. Did you just really do that? Uh, I said that they both did good things and they both did bad things. And if you sit there and refuse to acknowledge the bad things and only glorify and worship and leave up a statue with the good things, then you're sitting there and you're the one turning a so, blind so eye you, to the real history. Okay, but so so you, you've, just, you've just taken Abraham Lincoln, who fought the Civil War, who freed the slaves. You're, you're comparing him to a, a convicted sex trafficker and, and rapist because they both did good what things did, and bad things. Yeah. 
what I, oh, did, I heard what Jeff, you said. was I said that 10 years ago, people looked at him very differently than they do today. And that's the comparison that so, I make. So do you now, think people look, look at Lincoln differently? Lincoln did a lot of good things. Okay. Should we take well, down the Lincoln course. Memorial Otherwise, in Washington? People... Should we take down the Lincoln Memorial in Washington? Well, I think we have to start somewhere. And while Lincoln may be really, really far down on the list of statues that need to go down, there is not one Confederate monument or statue that should not be destroyed. Okay, okay. well, well again, again, Mark, I, I'm sorry. I, okay, we're, we're not, again, I'm not even talking about Confederate monuments. I'm, I'm talking about Abraham Lincoln, 855-616-1620. First caller, Mark, sort of compares, I don't know, a convicted rapist to, to Abraham Lincoln and says, well, everybody did good stuff and, and bad stuff. 855-616-1620, that is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Let's talk to Peggy in Mequon. Peggy, you're on WTMJ. Well, I totally agree with the um, email or the text that you just read, that we have to judge people for the times in which they're living. And if someone wants to take a microscope, or many people want to take microscopes, and spend the time to look at every historic figure and see something wrong that they did, mm-hmm. you can do that. I try and see the right that people did, the good that people did, rather than focusing on something concerning that some of these historic figures may have done. Or and said. I think with Abraham Lincoln and with others, if we judge them on both the positive and perhaps the concerning, that the positive will win out in many of these cases. Well, well certainly. I mean, you, you look at, let, let's take another example, you know, George Washington. There, There's the, this huge effort, okay, we've, as I was just talking about earlier, we, we've got to rename the schools in Wauwatosa. We can't have Washington Elementary. We, we can't recognize Washington because, all right, he was a product of his time, and, you know, he was at some point in time maybe, maybe a slave owner. Oh, all right, nobody's going to argue that that was a good thing, but does it change? the fact that he really was the father of this country and you would not have the United States as we know it were it not for the leadership of George Washington our first president I think it would be great if more people really took the time to read history and understand history and I think it would be good if we went back to where our country had what we thought was majority rule I certainly think some of the smaller groups who are demonstrating have reason, have good reason to demonstrate at this point. But I think that after we've demonstrated and after we've marched, then we need to do something positive. Be the change you want to see. Go clean up your part of the city. Go babysit so someone else can get get some education so that they can get a job. Be the change you want to see. I think people who are marching are marching so that someone else will do something for them. You want the government to do something for me. You want the school system to do something for me. You want the police. And maybe you need to be the change. And maybe the people who are marching are are bringing some good ideas. And certainly what happened in Minneapolis was terrible. But now do something positive to be the change you want to see. Well, you know, it's interesting. I, I got to think that through. But I guess I, the thing that when you were talking, the thing that was coming to mind to me is with, with all the legitimate and significant issues that we have in terms of race relations, for example, in, in this country. And there are. You know, we've we've got to tear down the statue of Abraham Lincoln that's in there for more than 100 years. You know, choosing that as the issue is. Well, I, I think it defines you as being a kook. I'm sorry. I, I just do. But but even in the best case scenario, 
it's a waste of spirit. I, I mean, it's just a complete and total waste of spirit because do the vast majority, do 99.9% of the people who visit the Lincoln Memorial in, in Washington, D.C., or, or walk past that Lincoln statue on, on Bascom Hill, do they, they think, oh my gosh, this is a, this is nothing but a tribute to a racial oppressor, or do they sit and say, that's Abraham Lincoln, and Abraham Lincoln was the guy who, you know, freed the slaves and led the North in the, the Union in the Civil War. Uh, again, it's just, Going after Abraham Lincoln, like going after George Washington, and like going after Thomas Jefferson, and like going after Teddy Roosevelt, is is just well, it's a, it's a waste of spirit, if nothing else. Let's talk to Jeremy and Racine. Jeremy, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hi, thanks for taking my call. Sure. Racine, I live in Racine, and they have a statue of Abraham Lincoln in Racine. Yes. And um, a lot of people don't even know the history behind them. I mean, it's the to honor a man who not only helped sleep, free the slaves, but died doing so. He was assassinated because of the, the outcome of the war. And a lot of young kids, I, my son and I talked to their friends and stuff, but they, they didn't even know that Racine was part of the Underground Railway. Right. And when, when I tell them about it, they're like, really? I'm like, yes, you guys really don't know your history enough. You live in a town that was part of history, and it's been around for a long time. And, and it's just it's, it's astounding. I, I read a lot of Bill O'Reilly uh, historical books that he, he, he writes. And some of the things that I've read in his books I didn't even know about. And and it just shows that when you're in high school and you're going through the history classes, they, don't, they barely scratch the surface. Right. Well, I mean, thanks for calling. No, there's a lot of historical, you know, ignorance that's out there. And and for example, the the rioting you saw in in Madison the the other night, it 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 wasn't it wasn't you know examples of legitimate protest. It was just a mob deciding that they're going to you know topple statues. And so you know one is the female figure representing the state motto forward. The other is of an abolitionist who died during the Civil War. And that's what these groups are are tearing down. Well, that that's the mob that's out there. But this is this is these political activists who are saying, okay, we we all need to become more woke. All right, that that that's fine. I I understand that, but but you got to pick your issues. And of all the different issues that you could pick, gee, you know, somebody might look at a Lincoln statue and be offended. And we think Abraham Lincoln was a terrible person. All right, again, I go back to my basic premise. Jeff Foxworthy has his indicators of you might be a redneck if you might be a kook. If you're out there spending one ounce of energy saying we have to take down the Abraham Lincoln statue or we've got to get away and do away with the Lincoln Memorial. I'm just telling you, there's other things you got to concentrate on. And if that's going to be your issue, don't be surprised when you get marginalized and lose the ability to affect other forms of change. This is Jeff Wagner. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. We talk about this this need, I guess, that, that some people feel to 
eradicate history or refuse to honor great people because they, they might not have been perfect. And gee, if we scrutinize all this people's this person's speeches here, we, we found this thing and he, he said this and and, you know, by contemporary standards, this is a terrible thing to say. So eh, we, we, we have to we, we can't have a Lincoln statue. Take his face off of Mount Rushmore. And while you're at it, get rid of Thomas Jefferson and get rid of Teddy Roosevelt and get rid of, of George Washington. We're, we're getting to this point nowadays where you, you I do think you're talking about sanitizing, eradicating history, and and you, you wonder where this is going to stop. Now, um, there, there's a story out there about a white political science professor at UCLA who has been disciplined for a lesson he taught and a lecture he gave in in his classroom. And this is another one of these examples where. We're we're so offended about so many different things that we we cannot discuss history at, at all. Now the N word, I have said this repeatedly on this program. I think it is horrible. I don't think anybody should use this. I don't care what your race is. I don't think anybody should use it. I cringe. When I watch some of the movies that are out there, I'm a fan of Quentin Tarantino, the guy that did Pulp Fiction. Um, he has gratuitous use of that word in many of his movies. I, I think you could accomplish, you could do the same thing without, and I'm not I'm not talking about should he not have the right to do that and the artistic expression of that. I'm just thinking it's offensive and it, it perpetuates the use of that horrible term. I don't like it. I cringe when I watch other movies that, that spotlights like, like current, you know, black culture that that use that and i'm thinking you know do do you really need to do it especially in a gratuitous fashion all right but nevertheless i also understand that that word was a part of of history and so when i i see efforts to say okay we we can't we can't let people read tom uh, sawyer or huckleberry finn because when mark twain wrote that book he included that word or we can't um we can't teach uh, to kill a mockingbird in schools anymore because it was a, a story of course of of bigotry in a southern town and the the author you know harper lee used that that word and and i mean i'm like okay that that was a word that was out there so you know do i think it should be promoted of course not do i think it's a horrible word absolutely but it was a word that was used in history and you can't sanitize that which brings me to this story dr martin luther king in the spring of 1963 was arrested for leading a series of nonviolent protests to to racial discrimination segregation in in Birmingham, Alabama. And and these included sit-ins and at at lunch counters that were segregated and things of the like. He got arrested and he was put in the Birmingham I think it's a city jail, Birmingham City Jail. He wrote April 16th of 1963, and I, I have the text in front of me. He wrote uh, what has been called, it's called the Letter from a Birmingham Jail. Because when Dr. King was arrested, he was criticized by pastors at a number of the, the black churches in the area who did not approve of his nonviolent protests. And it's, it's not that they didn't approve of, of the message. They just didn't think we should be doing sit-ins or, or things like that. And they weren't advocating violence or anything like that. They just didn't approve of the nonviolent protests that Dr. King was, was leading. And so what he did is he wrote, he wrote a letter 
to, well, his, his fellow clergymen. And and initially he didn't even have paper to write this on, so he, he started writing this this letter in the um, column, like in spaces on a newspaper. He had a newspaper in the jail cell, and he started writing it. And it's be- it was subsequently published in the New York Times, and it's become incredibly well known as a statement supporting nonviolent protest, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. It's called a letter from a Birmingham jail, and it's it is extremely lengthy. All right, so this professor at UCLA is is teaching, he's lecturing on Dr. King, the legacy of Dr. King, and he is lecturing and he's he's talking about this letter that Dr. King wrote. Now, again, it's a lengthy letter, but but here's here's one of the segments, the sections that that the professor quotes and it is a direct quotation from the the letter from a Birmingham county jail and Dr. King again is explaining to his fellow clergymen why he thinks it is necessary to have these these different protests and um you know what it would, I'm just I'll, I'll pick it up in the middle of one of these um sentences when you suddenly find your tongue twisted and your speech stammering as you seek to explain to your six-year-old daughter why she can't go to the public amusement park that has just been advertised on television and see tears welling up in her eyes when she is told that Fun Town is closed to colored children and see ominous clouds of inferiority beginning to form in her little mental sky and see her beginning to distort her personality by developing an unconscious bitterness towards white people. When you have to concoct an answer for a five, your five-year-old Son, who is asking, Daddy, why do white people treat colored people so mean? When you take a cross-country drive and find it necessary to sleep night after night in an uncomfortable corner of your automobile because no motel will accept you. When you are humiliated day in, day out by nagging signs reading white and colored. When your first name becomes, and then Dr. King uses the N-word. Your middle name becomes boy, however old you are, and your last name becomes John, and your wife and mother are never given the respected title Mrs. And then it goes on and on with, with these examples of of why Dr. King felt that the, the peaceful protests were, were necessary. Okay, so that this professor is is doing this lecture on, on racism. He's teaching Dr. King, and, and he's quoting portions of Dr. King's letter from the Birmingham jail. And he reads that portion, or at least part of that portion that I just read to you, but instead of, I mean, I didn't do it, but he he reads what Dr. King wrote, which includes that word, all right? One of the students in the class complains, hits the trigger warning, saying, all right, this is, you know, this is, we are, you know, he, he being the professor, used that word. Well, the professor used the word, but he was reading the, the text of Dr. King's letter. And apparently, you know, many students expressed distress and anger over the lecture. And then when they complained, they the, the professor, I, I think, sort of, I don't know, minimized it, but, but said, look, I'm, I'm quoting Dr. King. This is what we're talking about. This is what, what he wrote. And then that apparently the university said, well, not only should he have not used this word, even though he was quoting Dr. King precisely, but but then when students expressed the fact that they were uncomfortable with this, well, he he should have 
you know, apologized immediately and taken their concerns into a, uh, into account, etc. And so now they're looking at whether he's being disciplined or not. I, I bring this up only because there is this desire that's out there to completely and totally sanitize the, the, the history. And, you know, is that a terrible word? Of course it's a terrible word. But, you know, if if we can use it in movies and Quentin Tarantino can put it in gratuitously in films and if people can use this on, on the street, and I don't think anybody should, are we really at a point now where a professor can be disciplined for using that word in the context that Dr. Martin Luther King used it? I mean, at what point do do we kind of stop and say, we cannot sanitize history. We have to be able to teach history. And, yes, we have to be able to te- to let kids read To Kill a Mockingbird. And, yeah, we, we can't take Mark Twain and you know, his Huckleberry Finn and Tom Sawyer out of the, the school system. And, and, yes, we should be able to teach the writings of Dr. Martin Luther King, even if Dr. King might have used a word which we all find to be offensive and inappropriate because that's the point Dr. King was trying to make. This is Jeff Wagner. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. One final thought on what we were just talking about, the, the last story about a, a, a professor at UCLA who's being disciplined for giving a lecture on racism in a political science class and, and quoting liberally from a, a very famous letter written in 1963 by Dr. Martin Luther King, where Dr. Martin Luther King justifies to other black clergymen his call for nonviolent protest to bring about change. And in the different examples he is giving about why it's time, he uses uh, he uses the N-word. And so the, the instructor reads and quotes verbatim from Dr. King's letter, and he's, he's now been disciplined when a couple of the students get upset that, uh, that that word was included in the text. And, of course, it, it's, it's in the text of Dr. King. And just one final thought on this. Here's a text from one of our listeners. Jeff, I'm a 51-year-old black man. This is senseless. The problem is the way children have been raised, soft to say the least. A document with historical value is just that. Some kids may not need to be in college. Presumably, if that's that's what's going to offend you, to which I would say maybe. All right. Back when coronavirus had, had pretty much everything shut down, one of the businesses that was an essential business that was allowed to stay open in many states were, were gun stores. And people were flocking to gun stores and, and, and buying guns. And I, I remember doing a couple topics over the over those weeks about w- w- pondering as to why the coronavirus and, and the lockdowns was was motivating people to feel the need to go out and, and buy firearms for, for personal protection. And you know, people had all sorts of different reasons for that. Well, okay, we, we're still living in, in the COVID-19 age, and now we're seeing efforts to defund the police department. Um, let, let's and defund it either means defund, which means in some places they, they don't want to have police departments. In other areas, it means we want to give the police less money, which will mean less police officers on the street, which means less police to answer crime calls and things of the like. So you've got to defund the police movement and you have all these protests that are out there 
most of which are peaceful, but some of which are, are lawless and intended for, for violence. And it, it's not a protest, it's a riot, like what happened in, in Madison a couple nights ago. So w- with that backdrop, I w- was having dinner the other night with some friends, and the, the conversation turned to, to firearms. And two of my female friends both said, you know, we've never considered owning a gun before, but we're going to go out and we're going to buy guns. And, and I said, really? And they said, look, the, the world is just crazy. And, you know, we, we just don't know what's, we just don't know what's going to happen. And it's this uncertainty that's out there. And, you know, we, we, we think we should have a firearm in the house in case the worst case scenario happens. Now, I, I don't, I personally don't think that that we're going to give in to the crazies. I, I don't think that we're not going to have police departments. I don't think that you're going to have rioters and looters that are just going to be running through sections of our communities. I, I don't think that we're ready to give in to anarchy, despite the fact that that's what some people are pushing. But these friends of mine, women in particular, who, who had never owned firearms before, they were both saying they're, they're going to go out and, and buy guns. And, and my response was, well, okay, well, if, if you do – you make sure you know how to use it because that's that is one of the things I find to be scary is people buy these guns and really have have no idea how to use them. So if you if you're going to make the commitment that you're going to buy a firearm, you I think you also have to make the commitment that you're going to put in the time and effort and and again learn how to use it. So if you're ever in a situation where you legitimately do need to learn how to use it, you, you know do, do do need to use it. God forbid that you're in a position to do it. Well, I was thinking about that when I saw this story because my friends are are not are not alone um, in in Illinois. Now Illinois is a mess. I mean, just a mess on so many different levels. But what they're seeing is is get this: um, gun sales are soaring in Illinois. Okay, in the first two months, first two weeks of June. More than 400, I'm sorry, 40,000 Illinois residents applied for gun permits in the first two months. That's more, that's up more than 500% over the same time last year. The, the 72 hour background check required by the state before getting a gun has been stretched to more than a week because the, the, this, the hotline, the, the gun system is just completely and totally overwhelmed with people who are rushing out to buy guns. I mean, it's just, it's, it's incredible. And if you look at this, this is not a unique phenomena to, to Illinois. All across the country, people who haven't owned firearms before are now running out and they're buying guns. Our number, 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. You know, one of the anecdotal things, too, is that this new rush has caused a shortage of, of ammunition for, for certain types of, of firearms. You know, you, you have to, I mean, good luck finding, for example, ammunition for a 9 millimeter handgun right now because lots of the places, if you go, they'll tell you that they, they've not only been sold out, but they've been sold out since, you know, March. Okay, 855-616-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right, I, I own a firearm. I know how to use the firearm um, so I, I have one. Would you consider or are you considering buying a gun? And if so, 
Why? What What is it about what's going on now that is motivating you to go out and, and do that if you haven't done it in the past? 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Gun sales through the roof. Are you considering taking that step? Or have you relatively recently taken that step? We discuss in just a moment. This is Jeff Wagner. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. A couple texts before we start taking calls. Jeff, I know two middle-aged women who have purchased handguns that had zero interest in owning a gun until the protests started. Jeff, I purchased my first gun a month ago after all the unrest in the country. I'm a middle-aged woman who never thought of owning a weapon. Half of the folks in the store buying guns were women. I have signed up for classes to get trained. Trying to find ammunition for it has been harder than my hunt for toilet paper. I check ammunition websites daily to see if they are back in stock. Jeff, while I believe in gun ownership, I've never felt a need to own one myself until now. I've purchased a handgun, and I'm taking a class to learn how to use it. I have a family, and they are scared of looters, rioters, people coming and burning homes. I wish I didn't feel the need to do this. Uh, another text, Jeff, this is really not that complex. When citizens do not have confidence in their government protecting them, they feel the need to protect themselves. Gun sales go up every time people lack confidence in the government. Um, okay, 855-616-1620. Colin in Jackson, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hi, Jeff. How are you? Real well, thank you. Have you bought a gun or purchased a gun or considering it? I have. Actually, I, I've purchased three in the last three months. Um, I, I haven't been a pistol owner before. Um, I took two classes to learn how to use them and um, then uh, bought my first one and really enjoyed shooting and mm-hmm. uh, bought a few more. Um, and now I have my concealed carry class coming up in July. But uh, yeah, with all the kind of craziness going on in the world right now i think uh you know the i feel like i might it might come to a point where i need to protect myself or my family and i want to be ready for that if that time comes which it may or may not right but it's 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 a precautionary move for you and this is you you've never felt this way before the last several months huh that is correct i I mean i've i i have always wanted a firearm but it wasn't that important to own one. It's, you know, if I had yeah. some extra money, maybe I thought I'd buy it. But it came to the point now where, um, to me, I feel like it's a necessity. Like, I should have something in the house. Good enough. Thanks for the call. I appreciate it. 855-616-1620, which is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Fred in Milwaukee. Fred, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hello, Jeff. How are you today? I am well, thank you. Um, have you considered buying I'm a firearm? I'm sorry, I'm glad to hear that. Thank you. Have you considered buying a firearm? I am very considerable thinking about buying a firearm and going to get a concealed carry permit. Um, I don't know. I just see that uh, police departments don't respond to uh, calls no more. 911s are not important no more. Uh, the, the amount of time it takes them to get there is not important no more. And I don't see that improving any now that they're talking about getting rid of uh, the police departments and cutting back on 10% cuts, 20% cuts, 50% cuts on the police. So who's going to protect us if we don't? Well, uh, thanks for calling. I mean, see, that's the... 
Yeah, that that's the point. Now, I don't think this is going to come to happen. I don't think it's going to happen because at the end of the day, I, I don't think, going back to the way I started the show, I, I don't think the kooks are going to be able to win. But they're, they're I mean, in Minneapolis, they're, they're talking about doing away with the police department. And, and you've seen what's happening already. You know, you have open air drug markets and, and you have shootings and you have violence and because there, if, if if there's areas where the police walk away you know what's going on in Seattle where you have the, an entire what a nine block area of the city that's been taken over and it's just it's complete and total escape from New York there and I, I think it's it's a logical thing and I, I guess it was just an interesting social trend because like I say these these women I were talking to never owned a firearm and they're 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 just flat out dead serious that it's like Okay, they're they're going to go and they're going to buy a gun. And they were talking to me about what kind of gun do you think? What kind do you have? You know, what kind do you think that we should have, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And again, my I, I just kept saying, if you get one, you've got to learn how to use it. I mean, you, the worst thing to do is to have a firearm and not know how to use it. Um, Jeff, I'm a 67 year old male. I found myself considering purchasing purchasing. A handgun in self-defense. It's for self-defense. I have not fired any weapons since the early 1960s, an M16, when I was in the Army. I think the world has gone crazy. I totally support peaceful protests, social equality, and eradicating racism. However, the constant badgering and berating of law enforcement and eliminating police department police departments is absolutely and incredibly short-sighted and insane. Part of me is seriously considering purchasing a handgun and Again, learning how to use it. Gianni and Montello, you're in WTMJ. Hello. Hey, hello, Jeff. A great topic. Listen, I, I'm not going to buy a, a gun because I own <laughs> I own too many of them already, okay. so I don't need another one. But but, but hey, but listen, um, I, I think that it's it's really a, kind of a sad commentary on American culture that people need to feel the need to yes. to, to own a gun in, in the United States and to protect themselves. Have we have we are we back in the wild west? No, I've, I've traveled all over the world. I've lived in a variety of countries. You don't find this sentiment in in in, in, in Asia or, or Europe or, or Scandinavia, um, where, where there there are very few guns, and, and um, people don't seem to be concerned about, as much about crime as we do in the United States. So I, I would I say that um, you know if you want to own a gun, um, it's a, I use mine for sporting purposes, um, but. Absolutely, get a training class and um, oh, yeah. know what you're doing. And if you're, if you're going to carry the gun in public, you got to take a class and you got to train, 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 because they can be oh, really oh. dangerous. Oh no, absolutely. absolutely. I mean, you know, one of the, I, and this is, I, I'm going to, I'm now going to sidetrack myself. The, you know. For example, as somebody who who supports, you know, the people being able to get concealed carry permits, one of the things that I've always thought was lacking in that is in Wisconsin, you don't have to demonstrate proficiency. And that's never made any sense to me at all. I mean, I've, I've told the story. I mean, back in the day, I, I was, because when I was in another life in the U.S. Attorney's Office for a couple of years, I carried a gun because I got death threats. And so I got, I was considered to, I got a permit, I, I was considered to be a special deputy U.S. marshal. But it, one of the conditions of getting that is you had to qualify. I mean, you had to go and you had to show that you knew how to use the darn thing. And, you know, that I've, I've always thought that that's an important element of it. But there is this phenomenon that, that's going on. And I admit I was a little slow with this because w- when it was just coronavirus 
and, and I saw these numbers sort of spiking. I, I thought, you know, what do you think is, you know, what do you think is really going to happen? Do you think that it, it's going to be? Do you think that you're going to be in a situation where the police just aren't going to respond, or you're going to have attacks of zombies and things like that? But you know, you're starting to look at some of the other things that are going on. You're starting to look at some of the violence that is attached to, you know, at least an element of the protest movement. And I appreciate that most of it's peaceful. But, you know, you look at what happened in Madison with the mobs and things like that. And you in many areas where you have the police that are intentionally told to step down, like what happened in Madison, let's not engage the rioters, let's just let them run amok. And, and you see that and people are starting to say, okay, well, that that's that's all well and good. But I, you know, what, what's going to happen if I get confronted with something like that? So, I mean, do, do I think it's a little bit scary? Yes, I, I think the answer, it is a little bit scary. And I agree exactly with what Gianni said. It's unfortunate that we're at a stage in our society now where, you know, people feel the need to, to go out and to buy firearms to protect themselves. But this is, I, I'm telling you, we are we are reaping what has been sowed. And if you have groups that are out there saying that defund the police, you know, we're, we, we don't want police around. Well, okay, you might not want police around, but there's a lot of other law-abiding citizens who, who do, and they feel if the police aren't going to be able to protect them from the bad guys, they're going to have no choice but to do it. I'm just telling you, that's what's going on now. And in Illinois, the, these numbers of people buying firearms, it's just year to year. It's staggering. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Here's a couple more texts just to wrap up our conversation. Jeff, my dad was a prisoner of war in World War II and raised me to be dead set against owning or using a gun. At the age of 66, I am now considering it. Jeff, the kooks, as you call them, are not going away. It's only going to get worse. You should talk to somebody under 25, and they'll tell you things are going to escalate, and they don't care about the destruction. Well, that's that's not everybody under 25, but they're certainly elements out there remember the the guy that launched the the protest in in madison after the quote-unquote activist was arrested the guy who walks into the restaurant screaming at people on a bullhorn carrying a baseball bat and then other people decided to protest his what did the newspaper call it a controversial arrest and i'm like why why is this a controversial arrest but but anyhow the the organized if you're looking for a peaceful protest this isn't it we don't intend to be peaceful so there is that element out there and especially if you're going to have police that just stand down and let people riot and break windows and set fire to things well you know some people i think feel that need to protect themselves in any case as um we talk to young people and they don't care about destruction so for that reason i'm definitely going to buy a gun all right. Now, I, I just I don't I, I, people decide to buy a gun. Like I said, you got to learn how to use it. That that's that is a given. But it is, I think, disconcerting to me that we're, we're starting to see things get to a point where people who otherwise wouldn't own guns now feel the need to go out and, and buy one. And that's something that the elected officials got to figure out. Because if society is getting to that point where people feel that they need to protect themselves, it, it's not a good situation. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. It's 
So very glad to have you with us. After losing in Game 3, the first World Series game in Milwaukee since 1957, the crew looked to get even in the 1982 World Series Game 4 against the St. Louis Cardinals. Bob Eucher in the World Series on WTMJ. Tune in next Wednesday at 6 o'clock. We're one week closer to live Brewers baseball. Brewers Classic, sponsored by Dave Drake Camp Heating, Boucher Automotive, Previa, Badger Mutual, Chevrolet, West Bend Insurance. Be sure to check that out. And um, it sounds like, well, by the end of July, so a little over a month, it looks like we're going to be having Brewers baseball, an abbreviated season. At You, you want to talk about just you know a, a full-blown sports schedule. You're going to have the, the modified and shortened baseball season. It's going to start about five weeks from now or so, the end of July, run July um, and then August and September. Then you're going to have the, the Bucks basketball back. The NBA is going to be playing all their games in a bubble down at, at Disney World. And so you're going to have the Bucks playing starting in late July, August through September. You've got the pro football, the Packers, their preseason games are going to be starting in early August. And then, you know, the regular season, whatever that's going to look like starting in September. So you're, you're going to be talking about a period of time where it's baseball, it's football, it's basketball. How cool is that? And you can hear it here, all here on WTMJ. Okay, the the numbers in coronavirus cases are are spiking. And that, that, candidly, given the fact that there is a reopening, that is not in and of itself a a surprise. You know, people are getting out and, and they're socializing more. What's interesting to me is the fact that a lot of the increases are coming among young people. Our number, 855-616-1620. That's the Accurate Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now, obviously, nobody wants to to get COVID-19, okay? Nobody wants to come down with, with coronavirus. But we know that the people who are older, and I mean, starting at the age 60 and then going up, um, and people who have underlying health issues, hypertension, high blood pressure, that is, obesity, uncontrolled diabetes, and then particularly you couple it with age, and, and those are the particularly the most vulnerable people, the people most likely to be sent to hospitals and the people most likely to, to die. One of the things we are seeing is that the, the people... A large percentage of the people who are coming down with, with COVID-19 are, are young people. Um, during our newscast a while back, we, we were quoting somebody from Arkansas, one of the, the Surgeon General, or Director of Health in Arkansas. He was saying half of their, their positive tests are coming back in people under the age of 25, most with no symptoms. Um, the, the CDC is saying that one half of all new cases one half of all new cases are people under the age of 35. Okay, our number is 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Look, obviously, you don't want to see this disease spread. And the sooner we get a vaccine that that gives us a degree of immunity from it, and the sooner that we get a therapeutic so people can be treated, the, the, the better that is. But given the fact that the people who are catching this tend to be younger, is that less of a reason to be concerned about the increase in numbers? 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And, and my answer, and hear me out on this, is, is, is yes. 
Nobody wants to, to get this. And my sense is what's going on is you have young people who think they're, they're immune to things and they're going out and they're running back to the beaches and they're pouring into the bars and they're pouring into the restaurants and they're, they're forgetting about social distancing, not to mention the masks and stuff, and they're putting themselves at risk. At the same time, even though they're putting themselves at risk, they get it, but it's not like they're going to need to be hospitalized. It, it's not like they're, as a general rule, going to be subjecting themselves to a significant risk that they're, they're, they're going to die. Now, the, the biggest issue to me is they get sick and then they go home and they bring it to mom and dad and they bring it to, you know, grandma and grandpa or they bring it to elderly friends and, and neighbors, which, which is, of course, a concern. But as long as people who are in those targeted, the more vulnerable groups, as long as they continue to aggressively practice social distancing and things of the like, is it less concerning that we're having this newest outbreak? 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line we discuss in just a moment. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Coronavirus numbers are, are spiking across the country, and particularly in a number of, of southern states. Now, the, the good news, if you want to look at it like that, is at least thus far that the death totals are not increasing uh, in any degree of proportion to the, the number of coronavirus cases. The re, and, and the hospitalizations, with a couple exceptions, aren't, aren't either. And I think one of the reasons for that is you're seeing the people who are coming down with this are disproportionately now younger people who are uh, presumably more able to tolerate this. And, and so, yeah, you get it, you get sick, but you, you end up you know, getting better and you don't need to be hospitalized. Now, nobody wants to get this, and that's why you know people need to practice social distancing, and that's why it was so crazy that you had people decide that they were going to participate in, in protests and things of like that in a time of a pandemic, because I do believe that one of the things that's leading to some of the spikes is the fact that you had these protests. I mean, it just it seems to me if we're told you got to avoid mass gatherings because that's important, and then you have thousands of people day after day who are out in outside, but nevertheless in close quarters, and many of whom aren't wearing masks and are yelling and screaming. I, I just I don't think you can divorce one from the other. But is it a silver lining that it's it's younger people that are are getting sick? Eight five five six one six one six twenty. Vincent on the northwest side. Vincent, good afternoon. Uh, good afternoon, Jeff. Uh, no, I am very concerned because the fact is is that even though that, that, that more younger people are, are contracting this particular virus, the fact is is that they have families. And so they have, they have mothers and fathers, they have cousins, they have uh, aunts and uncles. And so they seem to be so irresponsible that they really don't care about who they, they go around. Obviously, they, they continue to go around their family members. And the fact is, that, you know, certainly the deaths may be down, but people are still dying. Mm-hmm. And so they're getting it from someplace. And so if you still have a group of people out there that are continuing to, to, to contract this virus, the fact is it's going to be continuing to spread, and it's going to be spread to people who really, you know, who, who are vulnerable in, this pop- in, in our country. What, what is, I guess, see, it's kind of interesting with this because, you know, Vincent, I, as, as somebody who's getting up there in, in, in age, um, you know, it's just – I, I, the idea of going into these mass groups, will I go out to eat? Yes. Um, I, I'll, I'll do that. Will I go out in small groups with 
friends and people that I, I know and I'm reasonably confident haven't been exposed to this, yes. Um, at the same time, I'm not hanging around people who, you know, are from, from Florida or Arizona. I'm not going to be hanging around young people who've been attending, you know, protests or haven't been social distancing. Can, if, as far as protecting the vulnerable people, if we take more responsibility and just say, hey, we're not going to hang out with the people that have been at the protests, th- does that, does that help at least? I think it does help, but the fact is, I know, I don't know if you, I think you have nieces. I have a niece and nephew, yep. You have a niece and a nephew. And so, so in other words, you don't exactly know where your niece and nephew is, has been or right. where they've gone to. And so if you decide to go over to visit, well, your, your brother or whatever, right. and the fact is that they're there, the fact is, what are you going to do? You know, you're going to tell them, that, hey, you, know, yeah. you need to get, you know, I don't want to be right because you just don't know. And so that's an ability or, or an advantage where they can, they can pass this on to you and your wife. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so, 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 no, it concerns me when you have a multi, so many people, and especially in Florida and those other states. The fact is, which, which in my, with my point of view, would, which was irresponsible for those governors not to, not to have a shelter-in-place plan and to continue it. And that's one of the reasons why it's spreading down there. But the fact is, is that, yeah, this is very concerning that we have a lot of irresponsible young folks out here who really don't care when or who they spread this this uh, virus to. Yeah, well, thanks. It, it, that, that is that is the, the point. And, you know, as somebody who did not think the safer at home, I, and I, look, I'm, I'm all in, in favor of the social distancing stuff. As somebody who continues to believe that the let's close down all these businesses was not the right way to go. Um, I, I do. I am troubled as somebody who also believes that, that people are are basically smart and should be able to take responsibility for themselves. I am troubled when I see the, these images of, of all the younger people, whether it's at the protest and you can't divorce that from from this or, hey, th- this bar is opened up and we're going to have or the beach is opened up and we're going to have, you know, a thousand people that are going to flock to the beach. I mean. Do I feel comfortable, like I say, going out with a couple couples and having a meal? Yes, I do. Do I feel like I want to rush into a, a crowded bar and be shoulder to shoulder with, you know, 350 strangers in a bar that's going to, you know, have a capacity of 300? Absolutely not. And it is, to your point, Vincent, it's mind boggling that you have people out there who, who would do it. Let's talk to Charlie in, uh, Greenbush. Charlie, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Charlie? Okay, let's try uh, Dan in Lacrosse. Hi, Dan. You're on WTMJ. Hi, Jeff. How you doing? Hey, I'm just calling to kind of call you on the carpet about, you know, I think it was about last week you were talking it up that, uh, oh, if we open up the bars, I trust people will do the right thing and mm-hmm. everything, and, and it'll it'll work out. Well, you look at Florida and Texas, they're shutting down the bars. Right. And, and and I couldn't believe when when you said that that you thought, oh, it, it'll work out. These people are smart; they'll mm-hmm. they'll do the right thing. Uh, and when you said that, I said, no way, because I said I've told people, yeah, six or seven o'clock at night in the bars, yeah, they'll probably be social distancing and behaving. Come eleven, twelve at night, forget about it. It's it's going to be the wild west. Well, it's and but it's also but it's you, also you primarily young. It's also you agree with me? It's primarily young people. Primarily, oh yeah, most likely. Yeah. yeah, you know there can be some neighborhood bars with some older people in there. They get drunk too, and like I said, by midnight, and they're they're not behaving and they're not following the directives. And 
Yeah. I just knew this was not bars. Bars are probably the hardest one that you're going to find. Well, if I, you open them, you're to, to make it work. That's the probably the hardest place it's going to be to make it work. Well, I mean, obviously that that you know, is they're, they're, no. they're their own worst enemies. Well, right. Well, that that is obviously that's playing out in in places like Texas, where the governor said, "Look, we're we're not going to open up the we're we're gonna we're gonna go back to pulling back. We're gonna close down the the bars." I, I guess. I continue to believe that, and I go back to saying this, I still I still think most people are responsible, most bar owners are responsible. I will be curious when we see what we attribute this spike to, and, and part of it is reopening, but obviously you do have younger people, people particularly under 25 or under 30, who are rushing back to the beaches and things like that. I, I continue to believe that those of us who are a little more mature have the the sense that God gave a goose and, and recognize that you know it, it's still especially for people who are a little bit older you you don't want to do you don't want anything to do with this you know you you want to keep yourself safe you want to restrict who it is and where you go and who you you see and and I think most of us who are perhaps in the more vulnerable category simply because of our age forgetting any other sort of health issues I, I think most of us aren't going to change our behavior. And, and I appreciate the one caller who said, okay, well, you, you go over and you, you see your brother. My, my niece is in California, but my, you know, you, you see your nephew and all. Well, I mean, part of it is, I, I guess I'm counting on my brother to have, you know, exercise some control over my, my nephew so that maybe we have some idea that, that he hasn't been exposed. So he's not going to be a carrier. But even at that, you know, we've, we have dramatically, you know, cut down our, our physical contact with people and things like that. And that's just, unfortunately, that's just the new normal that, that is out there. So I, I, I'm hoping that this is just a, a temporary sort of spike. And, and look, I, I've made this argument on multiple occasions. I don't think we can go back and put that genie back in the bottle and continue to unemploy people or destroy more businesses by saying you gotta, you gotta shut down. I just don't think that that's a, a viable thing. We have to figure out how to live with COVID-19 until we get a vaccine, and hopefully that's going to be sooner rather than later. And the answer of just the knee-jerk reaction is we've got to shut down businesses. I don't think we can do that, but we do have to be smart. And I guess it does start it starts with people practicing the social distancing, and it especially starts with people who are vulnerable to just saying, okay, well, we're, we're going to have to like, change our behaviors. And I think, by and large, you're starting to see that. It's the people that are, are vulnerable. They're, they're not going out as much. They're not going into the large groups. They're, they're not ready to go back and be at a baseball stadium with 40-some thousand people. Right now, the problem is the younger people who think that they are immune and, you know, they're, they're behaving in ways that I think you could argue would be reckless. And, I mean, I think you saw that with a lot of the protests. And I hate to keep coming back to that, but this does not surprise me. I mean, if we were told that you have these mass gatherings, well, you know, okay, well, now we're going to have all these mass gatherings day after day. Are we surprised that there is a spike? And, yes, it's probably partially due to the beaches. And, yes, it's partially due to the bars. And it's partially due to the protests, I would imagine. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 
Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. I do love the logical inconsistencies of some people who you know, have particular clauses and have blind... Okay, one of the things we're seeing, as we talked about before, spike in coronavirus cases, and, and it's being driven across the country by spikes in younger people, um, people under the age of 35, and in some cases under the age of 25. So I said, I think there's a lot of causes. I think it's obviously opening up the bars. It's opening up the restaurants. It's the beaches. And it's got to be the protests. So I get this email. It's text. Well, how dare you say it's the protests? There's no evidence it's any of the protests. To which I'd say, well, first of all, wait a second. We're being told that it's mass gatherings. And uh, let's see. Okay, so you, you have... An outbreak of mass gatherings, hundreds, thousands of people getting together in close quarters, not practicing social distancing, some wearing masks, but many not, people wandering around and shouting and chanting and all. And this has nothing to do with you have a right to do it or not, but and predominantly, not exclusively, but predominantly young people. So you have young people not practicing social distancing, mass gatherings, and then you see a spike in the number of coronavirus cases among young people who aren't practicing social distancing. But how dare you say it has anything to do with the protests? Give me a break. I mean, seriously, it's like, okay, well, you could have it at the beaches, and, and that's, you know, that's part of it, but not at the protests. It's it's just kind of the reality, and you can stick your head in the sand and pretend that the protests weren't a cause of some of this spike, but come on, you, nobody seriously buys that. And and if it, if it's not the case, I mean, we've had all these health experts, not just in Wisconsin, but elsewhere, telling us that, you know, large gatherings, bad, need to be avoided. All right, well, if that's if that's the case, there, there's not an asterisk, asterisk saying, okay, except for thousands of people running down the streets engaging in protests. I mean, it, it's either large gatherings are, are bad for the spread of coronavirus or, or they're not. And I think most of us agree that the large gatherings probably didn't help. One more thing. Okay, Dane County. Here's the latest developments. Um, yesterday, Dane County recorded its largest increase in COVID-19 cases over a five-day period since since February. And so what they've done in Dane County is they've started to modify some of their requirements on gatherings. So get this. Last night, Dane County announced that bar and restaurant patrons must be seated with chairs six feet apart and only with members of their own household. So if you want to go out to dinner with your, your best friends, you're, you're out of luck, or at least you can't sit at the same table together. But all right, but okay, so that's fine. But here's the other rule. Gatherings on private property are limited to 10 people. Gatherings on private property are limited to 10 people. And the, the health department figures that we need to do that. All right, now what's the obvious question that comes up when you say, okay, now they've got this rule, gatherings on private property are limited to 10 people. All right, Here, here's my question now. What are we going to do with the protesters I, I saw, or, or the rioters? I, I saw, you know, more than, than 10 people, you know, both on public and on, on private property over the course of the last couple days. I mean, are, are large gatherings going to be tolerated or... Are we going to limit gatherings to 10 people or, or fewer? And if we are going to limit gatherings to 10 people or fewer, 
all right, what are we going to do to enforce that when you have some of the rioters who decide that, I mean, my gosh, we're, we're not making people stop from burning buildings down and attacking state senators and trying to topple um, statues. All right, what, what are we going to do when the next round of rioters breaks out, Bright rioting breaks out? Is Tony Evers and the mayor of Madison, are they going to say, well, we've, we've got these rules in Dane County. We expect you guys to all separate. There's more than 10 of you. I'm just raising this as an issue. I have no problems putting in some of these guidelines. Let's limit the size because, candidly, it makes sense to me that mass gatherings are an area where COVID-19 could spread. But if it's mass gatherings that are the problem, what do you got to do to rein in the, the mass gatherings of protests or, in this case, riots? Just asking. All right. Speaking of coronavirus, one of... The big questions that I think people have has to do with comfort of travel. Now, for for many of us, vacation plans have been completely and totally upset. Are you planning to take any out-of-state trips over the course of, let's say, the next four or five months? Our number, 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Are you, and I guess I'm talking about vacation trips. I mean, I understand maybe you have to go somewhere to work for work. You know, maybe you have to go out somewhere to visit, you know, ailing relatives or something like that. But as far as your comfort level in traveling out of state for vacation purposes, where are you right now? 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I guess my my take on this as somebody who likes to vacation in different places, like to go places, to, to do things, I have to tell you, for a variety of reasons, I don't see myself leaving the, the state for at least the next several months. 855-616-1620, that's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Are you planning any travel over the course of, I don't know, the next couple months. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. For me, I, I think it's going to be a lot of staycations. We discuss in just a moment. This is Jeff Wagner. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. Mike in Waukesha. Mike, you're first. You going anywhere anytime soon? Hey, Jeff, thanks for taking my call. Sure. Actually, I am in quite a pickle here. My daughter is moving back from Canada the end of August, and I'm supposed to go help her pack the middle of August, and I just don't even know how to plan for this anymore. Yeah, I'm at, can, isn't Canada closed to non-essential travel? I, I could be wrong on that. Can you even get into Canada nowadays? I can if I'm going to visit a blood relative and I stay there for at least 15 days and quarantine in right. her place. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Wow. I mean, this. No, you're in a pickle. Goes a whole other twist. Right. You're, yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. You're you're in a pickle because yeah, my, my I guess that that's an exception because my understanding is that for quote unquote non-essential travel. You you can't. The Canada is essentially the borders are closed now. You've obviously got an exception, but yeah, if you're if you're going to go help her move, you're going to have to stay with her for a couple weeks before that move. And then to get back to work, I have to self quarantine for ten days because yep. I work in a high school. Yeah, and I mean it's just 
I'm going to lose a month's worth of pay. Well, or or just you know your daughter's got to move herself. <laughs> I guess it's the other thing, you know. No, no, yeah, thank, I don't see that happening. Got it. No, thank, thanks. No, it, it it's a mess. I mean, and this is this is part of the issue with with foreign traveling. I, I've said this before. It, it's well, there, there's two big issues that that are going on with me, which is why I, I'm reluctant. I don't think I'm going anywhere anytime soon. First of all, um, the last thing I want to do is get outside of the country. And number one, find that, that something's happened and I'm not going to be able to get back or that you're going to have to go somewhere and you're planning to be somewhere for a week. And now you've got to self-quarantine for two weeks. I, that, that's, that is a concern. Secondly, um, attractions just, just aren't opening up and, and they're starting to open up gradually. And I mean, if I'm going to go somewhere, it's because I, I want to see things or I want to do stuff. And I, that's, that is my concern right now, which is like, okay, I'm not, I'm not going to go somewhere and then find that I can't do any of the things that I, I want to do. Um, like Las Vegas. I'm a big Las Vegas fan. I typically go to Vegas in October. I've told this story before, but I go to see shows and a lot of the people I would normally go to see, the shows aren't going to be going on. And there's going to be all sorts of restrictions. And, and I get it. I mean, I'm not criticizing this. It's just the reality. But I'm like, okay, this is going to really, it's, it's going to, it's going to do something for my enjoyment and my experience. So I'll, I'll do it next year. Let's talk to Ellen in Sun Prairie. Hi, Ellen. You're in WTMJ. Hi. Thanks for having me on. Sure. Thanks for calling. My family was. My family was planning, and we have tickets for a trip to Florida the beginning of August, but we're really rethinking it uh, for a couple of reasons. I'm a teacher, and coming back, I could, with the spike in Florida, yeah. I might not be able to even be at school for a while. Right. Um, and that's right when school starts, and that's critical for teachers. And the other reason is one of my children and our friends are going to see both are in some mild at-risk categories yeah. from some health issues. So. Yeah. Maybe going at Christmas if things settle down instead. Yeah. What? Well, can I ask you what were you planning on doing in Florida? Visiting some friends. Okay, got it. Because yeah, I mean that, that's that's the other sort of thing. You you get down there and you're going to visit the friends. But I, I'm I'm being told that because I, I know quite a few people who live full or part time in Florida. I'm being told a lot of the restaurants are closed down again. Um, I mean, Disney World's not open. I think they're hoping to open, but in the middle of early July or something like that. But it's it's all these different things that are out there. You you get there and you're, you're not able to do stuff. If they close down the beaches again or whatever, all these things you wanted to do, you've traveled halfway across the country and now you can't do them anyways. Plus, you've got those concerns that are out there. Right, and the good thing is tickets bought right now are are transferable, so you don't lose the money. And you know, it's like. Probably is going to be the wisest decision. Right. So I can be at school and the kids can be at school and all of that. Right. Well, I mean, thank, no, thanks. For, I mean, it, it, it's a worry that's out there. And I, I guess I, I, I'm i one of these people, and I understand I, I get these texts all the time telling me that I don't take this seriously enough. I, I do. I, and I, I appreciate that it's out there. At the same time, I think you do have to have a, a balance between legitimate concerns for getting COVID-19 and then the, the need to live life and to have an economy and to have people like that are making a living. And it's it's not a binary choice. I mean, you can't have one or the, you don't have, just have to have one or the other. You have to just kind of be smart with it. But I, I will tell you, you know, given like some of the numbers that they're seeing in, in Florida, I, I'm not in a hurry to run down there. I, I had dinner last night with some people who have a place in Florida and you know they're they're back here now and I I don't think 
first of all, it's like 95 degrees down there where they they have a place. But I don't think they're in a hurry to go back right now because, number one, nothing's open. And number two, you're, you're going into an area where there's more of a hotbed. So it's kind of like, why bother? Jeff, I'm a recent Dallas resident relocated from Milwaukee. We are all going to visit my mother in Gulf Shores, Alabama in three weeks, which is a great place. My friend Colleen has a, a condo there. We are flying and have no concerns other than they won't serve booze on the plane. Yeah, well, I, that's... You've got a place, you're going to go visit your mother. I understand that. I mean, that would be the type of travel. For the vacation travel, a little bit different. Um, Let's see, Jeff. 50 years old, flying to Vegas out of Chicago on September 10th, and then Tampa on October 14th, four to five days each stay. Zero fear about COVID-19. I will social distance at both locations the best I can. I'll wear a mask if mandated, but I'm going to gamble, drink, and catch sun like it's the summer of 1999. All right, there you go. Well, that that's that's fine. Jeff, I plan on driving to Colorado in October for a vacation conference. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, so, I mean, I think I... That would be the thing. I think road trips are, are going to be a lot, and I think there's a lot of people that are probably considering if you're if you're going to be traveling, staying closer to home, places that you can drive to, and then make sure that you have some place to stay. I mean, I will tell you again, that's one of the big issues I have because my wife said, "Well, okay, let's take a couple three day weekends and let's let's go here or let's go there." You know, all places in this immediate area that you can get to with a few hours drive. And again, my, my only concern is, okay, fine. We're going to, we're going to go up to Door County. That That's great. I love Door County, but you know, what, what's open? Are we going to be able to do the things that we enjoy doing? Is it going to be worth the, the trip or do you just kind of put that thing on hold for a while? People are going to have to make this decision. And, um, and again, it's it's a reflection, I think, of, of how quickly the, the travel industry comes back. On a positive note, I, I'm seeing all this stuff that's talking about how 2021 is shaping up to be a huge year for international travel because people who were maybe considering going international in 2020 but have decided for all these reasons we've talked about that they're, they're going to put it off instead of canceling trips people have been pushing back the trips to 2021 and they're already talking about how now you know a, a year in advance you you have the, these trips that are starting to fill up and, and i that that's the greatest thing in the world i just I, I hope we're past this by this time next year because it would certainly make life just a lot easier if we've got the therapeutic or we've got the vaccine or, or whatever, because I, there's there's places in the world I want to see. I want to see her Ireland. I want to I want to go on that cruise, uh, the the river cruise to, to Normandy. It's it's important to me, and I plan to do it this pro, this time. We'll, we'll do it next year, not this year. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ.